Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Church. I'm so thankful you're joining us right now for Easter Sunday. What a great day to be gathering together for church in our homes. How cool is this? First time we've ever done this on Easter. But if you're new here, I'm, I'm really glad you tuned in. Today we're continuing a series called What's Next. Uh, we all have a next step in our journey with God, and today I hope to help you figure out what that is for you. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. Here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. We want to help people discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. Man, it's a good plan, but it's a journey. You may have realized you don't get there overnight, and that's actually why we gather every Sunday for church. That's why we gather throughout the week in our small groups, because we need each other to reach the goal that we're going for, which is found in Ephesians 3.20, our core scripture here at No Limits, which says, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more that we might ask or think. So that's why our name's No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're watching with right now and just tell them it's time to take the limits off. Or if you're listening by yourself right now, go ahead and tell yourself that. Say it out loud. It's time to take the limits off. Now, before we get into the message today, I want to give you a little heads up on what's coming at the end of service. Here at No Limits, we're really passionate about making sure that we lead you well. So instead of guessing about the answers that you're looking for and the, the, the needs that you have, we figured a better strategy would be to just ask you. So we put together a survey that we would like everybody to take whenever our live stream ends today. If you're somebody who doesn't like to fill out forms, I get it. But if you could just do it this just one time for us, it'd be really helpful. The survey is just three questions. The first one I'm going to ask is, what, what keeps people from experiencing wholeness? Just an open-ended question, however you want to answer that one. Second one is, what are the greatest barriers to knowing God? And then thirdly, the next step in my spiritual journey is and you'll be able to fill in that blank. Don't worry, we're going to keep this information confidential. We're just, we're just going to pull all these surveys together so that we can serve you better. And I'll let you know how to access the survey at the end of the message today. All right, let's continue our series called What's Next? We've, we've been answering the question that all of us have, like, what's next for me in my spiritual journey? And sometimes we wonder if God even has a clearly defined plan for our lives. Well, i got good news for you. He does. He's got a clearly defined plan for you, and it's important that we gain clarity on what that is. Let me show you why. This is Proverbs 29, 18, and it says, if people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're like trying to run towards something or run away from something, but you can't ever get there because you keep tripping? Well, that's like the visual that I get whenever I read this verse. When we don't know God's plan for our lives, we stumble. 
in our marriages, in our finances, in our work. Basically, everything in our lives just seems kind of chaotic and like we're not getting anywhere. So we spend all this energy trying to fix what we think that the problem is, but the problem isn't the problem. The problems are just created by the fact that we don't know God. So if we know God, then all those problems just kind of dissipate. Because those who know God's plan for their life and they follow it, like this verse says, they are the most blessed. They have the peace. They have the joy. They have the contentment. Man, it's incredible. And you too can get to a place where people look at your life and say, wow, they have the most blessed life that I've ever seen. This happens not because of your hustle and your striving, but because you know God's plan for your life. That's how it happens. And this probably makes sense to you. But the question is, like, how do you discover God's plan for your life? Well, this plan actually has been revealed throughout the Bible, and there's four clearly defined steps. And if you've been with us through this series, you've heard them twice already. But today I want to look at them in reverse order so that we can begin with the end in mind. So go ahead and write these down if you have your message notes out. Here's the fourth step, the destination of our spiritual journey, and that's to make a difference. And we talked about that in the first week of this series. The ultimate purpose in life is to make a difference for eternity, and you'll never be fulfilled You'll never be satisfied until you're making a difference in the lives of others. And our culture tricks us into thinking that like more money, a bigger house, a bigger car, maybe bigger lips or nicer clothes, like that's what's going to bring you happiness. And it may make you happy for like a day or two. The problem is it doesn't last because then comes the credit card payment and the house payment and the car payment. And all of a sudden you have stress instead of happiness. So heads up, our culture does not know what they're talking about. But God does know what he's talking about, and it's clear that the destination of our spiritual journey is to get to a place where we're making a difference in the lives of others, not just here on earth, but for eternity. But in order to get get to this destination, you have to discover the specifics behind what God has called you to do. Yes, we're all called to make a difference, but we're all going to make a difference in our own unique way. Remember, we're working these steps in reverse today, so in order to make a difference, you first need to discover purpose. God created you for something specific. He combines all of your gifts, all your experiences, all your relationships, and he creates a purpose out of that that only you can fulfill. You're the only one that can do what God's called you to do, and it's no more, it's no less important than what he's called me to do, or anybody else for that matter. We're going to dive into how to discover purpose next week, but in order to discover purpose, you first need to find freedom. You see, it's not that you don't want to make a difference, it's that you can't make a difference until you first find freedom. And a lot of people out there are trying to discover God's purpose for their lives while looking in the rearview mirror. It's pretty tough to move forward when you're fixated on the past, the habits, the regrets, the shames, the addictions. And that's why you have to find freedom before you can move forward into your purpose. And we talked about this in detail last week. Jesus went to the cross to give you freedom in your body. He gave you freedom in your mind. He gave you freedom from your past. And he gave you freedom in your heart. Freedom belongs to you in Jesus because he already paid the price for you to be set free. What a better day. There's no better day than Easter to just go ahead and step into that freedom. Leave the past behind. Like receive healing in your body. Receive healing in your mind. Jesus wants to do that for you today. Just open your hands and receive it. And Jesus didn't just forgive you. He actually forgot about what you did. Like he wouldn't even remember it if you went to him and retold him all the details of it. He'd be like, what are you talking about? And not only that, but he actually cleansed your own conscience so that you don't have to waste time in regret. You just got to receive that freedom and he'll He'll cleanse it away. And if this is where you are right now, if you need to find freedom, just dig in and do what you need to do to find freedom. You need it. You need freedom. And actually, to find freedom, you might actually have to back up to the first step of this spiritual journey, which is no God. We get this backwards. We think that we have to get all of our stuff together before we can know God. 
a wrong, as President Trump would say, right? (laughs) Finding freedom is only possible when we first build a relationship with God. He's not looking for religion. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a relationship with you. Hang-ups and all, like bring them all. He can handle it. He wants you to understand that he loves you no matter what. He knows that you're going to mess up every day, and he still loves you. So accept that unconditional love. Step into relationship with him. This is the first and the most important step in your spiritual journey. You can't complete any of the other steps until you first have a relationship with God. And that opens up a whole new question that I'm going to answer today. What does a relationship with God look like? And I'm really excited about this message because of all the things that I could talk about on Easter Sunday here at Church Online is this, having a relationship with God. And we call this part of your spiritual journey, Know God, for a reason. Because when the Bible talks about a relationship with God, it often uses the word know. This really doesn't seem significant until you dig in to the original language. You see, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek language is much more expressive than ours. It takes several English words to describe one Greek word, yet the translators often had to kind of dwindle it down to one English word so the Bible didn't weigh 100 pounds, you know? So we translate this simply, no, but here's what it actually means in Greek. Gnosko is the Greek word, and it means to know intimately. And the Jewish people would actually use this word as a polite way to talk about intercourse between a man and a woman. Kind of like a more polite way to describe sex would be, you know, the intimate relations between husband and wife to conceive a child. In other words, they got close. They got real close. And when Jesus came along and and talked about having a relationship with God, this is the word that he used, gnosko. And now you're wondering where this message is going to go, right? And as much as this weirds you out, I bet that the Jewish people at the time were even more weirded out than you are. Jesus, I mean, they thought that God was distant, that like God was up there, we're down here striving to like make God happy. But Jesus came, he said, no, 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 no. You have, you have it all wrong. God wants a relationship with you. He actually went so far as to say that knowing God is the indicator that you've received eternal life. Take a look at this. Matthew seven twenty one says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Okay, well, what is the will of his father? Well, he's about to reveal that to us, but he's got to say something else first. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Like you could put any other church thing on this list. Like I went to church in your name. I sang your songs. I read your book. I prayed your prayers. But in scripture, Jesus saying, no, 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 that's, that's not what I was looking for. You really thought that you could like earn your way into heaven by your behaviors? And what's most sobering about the scripture is that it says many. This isn't just a few people that were deceived into thinking that their good works were going to get them into heaven. There are many. And here's what Jesus is going to say on judgment day. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Whoa, I I hope this like hits you as hard as it hits me. The will of the Father is for you to know him. Gnosko, him. God's not looking for religion. He's looking for relationship. Maybe this causes a little bit of anxiety in you because all this time you thought that you had to earn your way to God. Well, go ahead and just shift that anxiety to relief because now you know you're off the hook. Isn't that good news? This isn't about how many good things you do. Your way to God is simply to get closer to him. He's been trying to get close to you all this time. 
All you have to do is turn towards him instead of being busy over here trying to impress God and trying to earn his love. When the time comes, we're all going to face a time of judgment. And I don't know how exactly this is going to go, but we're going to be asked a question like, you know, why should you spend eternity in heaven? And let me tell you, there's no religious answer that's going to work. I memorized most of the New Testament. Nope. I was good to a lot of people. Nope. I was faithful to No Limits Church. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. Right answer. Nope. That's not even going to get you into heaven. The correct answer is, because God, I know you. Like, you know me. We've had this relationship already, and we're just going to continue that relationship in heaven. And let me show it to you in two more places. In Matthew 15, it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So now you know there's always going to be a group of religious people that tell you you aren't doing it right. Like, you didn't give right. You didn't pray right. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't read your Bible enough. Blah, 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 blah. And this is probably the whole reason that we even think that this is what God is looking for, because all the religious people out there are making a fuss out of nothing. And here's what they were fussing about this time. They don't wash their hands before they eat. All right, this sounds a little bit like kids tattling on each other, isn't it? And I've seen a lot of this going on the past several weeks because of the coronavirus, like people fussing about needless things. And these religious people interrupted Jesus to complain about the disciples not washing their hands the right way. And what did Jesus have to say about this? Well, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Well, what command of God is he talking about? Well, the one important commandment, the the only one that matters. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your brother as yourself. They cared more about their religious activities than they cared about loving God. And that's why just a few verses down, Jesus says this, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They went to church. They said their prayers. They even sang every song during worship, but their hearts are far from God. And he goes on to say, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. I hope you're seeing that God is not asking you to follow a set of rules. He's looking for a close relationship with you. Let me show it to you in one more place. This is Jesus. He's using a fictional story to tell us something. You think we're pretty smart these days because we can entertain ourselves by uh, telling fictional stories in like books and movies and things like that. Well, Jesus is the one that started all that. So here's one of his stories. He says, God's kingdom is like 10 young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly and five were smart. The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him and they all fell asleep. So this is a picture of the church right here waiting for Jesus to come back. Half of us aren't fully prepared. We didn't pray enough, read the Bible enough, blah, 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 didn't go to church enough. And the other half, they're the good Christians. And all my prepared people, you know who you are because you like to fuss about the people who aren't prepared, right? Self-identify and keep that in mind as we continue through this story. But in the middle of the night, someone yelled out, he's here, the bridegroom's here, go out and greet him. Y'all, this is really going to happen. Jesus is going to come back when we least expect it. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be years from now. And the ten virgins, they got up, got their lamps ready. The silly virgins said to the smart ones, our lamps are going out, lend us some of your oil. Here it is, like all my prepared people listening right now, you knew this was coming, and this would probably be your response too. They answered, there might not be enough to go around, so go buy your own. You didn't prepare, so go do that, go, 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 you're on your own. Go memorize more scripture, go to church more, go give in the offering. I already did these things, and you need to do them too. While they were out buying oil, the bridegroom arrived. 
When everyone who was there to greet him had gone into the wedding feast, the door was locked. Well, looky there. The ones with the oil, the ones who were prepared, they got into the feast, and all my prepared people are nodding their heads right now. That's right. We were ready. Look what happens. Much later, the other virgins, the silly ones, showed up and knocked on the door saying, Master, we're here. Let us in. He answered, oh, what's Jesus going to say? They may not have been prepared at first, but at least they went back and they prayed more and they gave more and they read their Bible more. Hopefully it's going to be enough. But he didn't let them in. And most of us think it's because they didn't do enough. They didn't prepare enough. But Jesus didn't say anything about that. He didn't even comment on the fact that they had fallen asleep. Here's what he said. Do I know you? I don't think I know you. It didn't matter how much oil they had, how prepared they were, or how much religious activity they engaged in. Jesus wasn't looking for any of that. He was looking for a relationship, closeness. And when you know what you're, and you know that you're missing this relationship because some things start to show up in your life. Here's, I'm going to give you three. Here's the first one, a sense of powerlessness. When you don't know God, you don't know his power. So you're trying to do everything on your own. And it may go well for a little while, but at some point you fall on your face and you realize, like, I can't do this on my own. But when you know God, you rely on his power working through you. And this is the power that enables you to overcome addiction and and handle adversity with grace and fulfill the purpose that God has put on your life. Here's the next one, frustration with trying to do good. Like when when you don't know God, the good things that you do are never enough. Like you're trying to follow the guidelines in the Bible, but it's impossible because as soon as you get one down, there's like a hundred more that you have to try to do. But when you have a close relationship with God, doing good is no longer overwhelming because first of all, you no longer have shame. You no longer have regret whenever you miss it. That's awesome. And secondly, you get to go to God directly for help and allow his power to work in you. And here's the other one, envying others who seem to be closer. In fact, some people listening right now, you were once close to God, but now you're not. And now it's time to turn back to your first love and get close to God once again. And by this point, you might be thinking, Cade, this is great, but what does this have to do with Easter? Did you forget it was Easter? No, I didn't forget. Let me show you. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Easter is all about celebrating the fact that Jesus raised from the dead. And knowing Christ, knowing him, is how we experience that mighty power that raised him from the dead. So now y'all are getting it, huh? Easter is more than a church service. It's more than candy. It's more than family gatherings. You see, God doesn't just want us to celebrate the resurrection. He wants us to have a resurrection of our own. So getting close to God, knowing God, is how we experience that resurrection. And by this point in the message, you probably get it, but there's still one more question we got to answer. Well, how do I get close to God then? Like, I, I see that it's important, but how do I do it? Let me give you three things. Go ahead and write these down. First one is you got to love him because he loved me first. We're not trying to earn his love. We don't have to get our act together for God to love us. No, God loves us even when we're a hot mess. God loves you even after what you did last night. You could commit the worst of sins and God would still love you. There's nothing that can take away his love. So don't see God as someone that might love you if you do right, because if you think that God doesn't love you, you're not going to be able to love him for very long. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. God loves you. He will always love you. Even if you never love him back, God will still love you. But the first step to getting closer to God is to love him, not because you have to, but because he loved you first. Your love for God is simply a response of his love for you. 
Just like it says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And here's the next thing, and this is actually something that all relationships require. That's we got to pursue him with all of my heart. If you want somebody, you got to go after him. When I realized that I wanted to marry Beth, she was pretty much the only thing that mattered in my life. I followed her around at school. I was with her every chance that I got. I called her every chance that I got. I texted her. I kissed her until her lips were raw. I overwhelmed her with these incredibly good looks. And by that point, she couldn't even say no to marrying me, right? You may not know this about God, but he wants to be pursued. And all throughout scripture, you're going to see things like this in Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What would happen if you went all in with God? No more like flirting around with this Christianity thing. What if you went after God with everything that you are? I don't want to ruin this for you, but can I tell you what you're going to find at the end of that pursuit? You'll find the most incredible life, and you'll wonder why you waited so long. You're not going to find a perfect life, but you're going to find an incredible life. Let me make this really practical for you. Give us a year. Dive into the things that we have going on here at No Limits to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If it doesn't lead you closer to God, if it doesn't make your life better, then you know what? I'll change churches with you. I mean it. Because I know that without a doubt that if you seek God with everything that you are, your, your life is going to blow your mind. You're going to look back and you're going to say, what the heck? Why didn't anybody tell me about this? Well, we've been telling you about it. You just haven't done it yet. So you got to do it and it's going to pay off. So love God because he loved you first. Pursue him with all of your heart. And then there's one more. Every healthy relationship requires commitment. You have to get to a point where you say, you know, I may not fully understand this. It may not even be perfect, but I commit to you through the good times and the bad. When I married Beth 13 years ago, I didn't really know what this meant, but it all started to make sense when she started to leave her clothes on the floor. And I realized that I was committed to her even if the Mount Everest pile of clothes next to her bed never went away. It's really not that bad, and honestly, it doesn't even bother me anymore. And trust me, she could get up here and tell you all some things that I do that bother her. She deserves an award for putting up with me. (laughs) But to get closer to God, you have to give him the same kind of commitment. You got to give him your life. Even though, you don't, even though you don't fully understand and probably never will, you commit your life to him through the good times and the bad. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, 24, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. If you try to do this on your own, you're going to lose your life anyways. And some of you listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been striving and running after everything the world has to offer and you still feel lost. And that's because you are lost. Without God, you'll always be searching for fulfillment. But when you lay down your own pursuit and give your life to God, he'll save you from the pain. He'll save you from the regret. He'll save you from the striving. And now we all have a response to this message today. Everybody listening has a response. You're going to fall into one of these four categories. And the first one is, I already know God personally. That's awesome. What a great reminder you had today of being close to God and how important our relationship is with him. And here's the second one. I want to begin a real relationship with God today. This is for those who realize now that this church thing, this this whole God thing, it wasn't what you thought at all. Like you thought it was all about doing good and, and following the rules and being a good person. But now you realize that a relationship with God is what matters. And that's actually what you've wanted all this time. And today you're ready to pursue that relationship. And here's the third one. 
I want to consider what God wants to do in my life. Like this is for those who are saying, you know, not yet. I got to consider this a bit more. And you know, most would expect me to, to be bothered by this response, you know, as a pastor, but I'm not. I'm not mad at you. God's not mad at you. And you know, my dream is to have a church that's not just filled of church people, but even those who are a skeptic of Christianity or an atheist or, you know, you're just not sure yet, like you're welcome here. We want you here. We're not mad at you. We're not going to put you down. We're here for you. We love you. Here's a fourth category. I don't ever intend to make that decision. This is for those who are kind of drugged to the online church thing today and you can't wait till it's over. Like I got news for you, it's almost over. So you almost made it. But if that's where you are, okay. Apparently I couldn't convince you today and I'm okay with that because I realize I can't make this decision for you. You got to make it on your own. But whether you like it or not, we're going to continue to pray for you. We're not going to bother you, but let me tell you this, God's not going to leave you alone. He won't. He's going to continue to speak to you and reach out to you through people just like he did today. But for everyone who had the second response today, you're ready to begin a real relationship with God. I want to lead you in a prayer to solidify that decision. If you're ready to step into a relationship with God, just go ahead and repeat this prayer after me. Wherever you are, if you're in the living room, listening in your car right now, go ahead and say this after me. God, I need you. I need a real relationship with you. Today, I open up my life to knowing you personally. I ask you to forgive me for living life my own way. Today, I invite you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I give you my life. I believe that the same power that raised you from the dead is now working in me. And a resurrection has just happened in my life. Well, Jesus, we thank you for everything that you did and we're thankful to be here celebrating your resurrection. I see you right now, seated in heaven, in heavenly places, right next to God on the throne, interceding for us, pouring out your love on us, your desire is that every person come to know you and we thank you that we've had the opportunity to know you better through this message today. Lord, we know that you're with us through this journey and you'll always be with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.